0: Well, it's just like we talked about last week, and what a story it would be if Megan Good led James Madison onto the Super Regionals, and, and that's exactly what happened. Welcome in. Today is Tuesday, May 21st, and this is another edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod by the Daily News Record. I'm Greg Medea, Jamie football beat writer at the paper and host of the podcast, joined alongside Shane, joined alongside by... Shane Metlin, who covers JMU basketball, softball, and lacrosse, and Shane, you know exactly where we're starting today. Uh, it, it's no other than the Duke's softball with a clinching a two a doubleheader sweep yesterday to clinch their way into the super regionals. They'll go to UCLA, uh, but it took a wild uh, regional to uh, those battles they had with Michigan throughout the weekend. Uh, you look, you know, think Saturday, and then of course on Monday. Uh, what a what a what a series it
1: was! Yeah, um, where did it even begin? I mean, the five games they yeah JMU's offense really didn't show up for a lot of the regionals, but the pitching they got from Megan Good and Odyssey Alexander, plus some incredible plays in the field, uh, the a few solo homers here and there ended up being kind of enough to push them through to the uh, regionals. And you know, I'm sure we're about to get into it, but. You can't even really begin to describe just the uh, effort that Megan Good put up throughout the whole. I say weekend, even though it got pushed back into. It was Monday, the weekend. With, we'll with, we'll with classify the, it as the weekend with, with the uh, rain, rain out on Sunday. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> we'll call Monday the extension of the weekend and just uh, you know three days of you know just incredible effort by you know a local product, which is kind of unbelievable when you think about it. No, for for sure. We'll get to Megan Good in a minute, but just to run through what happened
0: in the Ann Arbor Regional. Uh, Of course, James Madison, the only unseeded team to advance uh, in a a regional onto the Supers. Uh, But let's start with Friday. It was a 5-2 win over DePaul. Odyssey Alexander got the start and was very good. Then on Saturday, they played this epic, long game uh, against Michigan. It was a one-nothing loss in 12 innings. There was a questionable call on the base pads to start to add to the drama uh, that that made it, that made it to Monday. Uh, then you go Saturday night. They find a way to beat DePaul three-nothing, uh, keep their season alive. And then on Monday, it was a three-nothing win, and then a two-to-one win in dramatic fashion. Is as as, as Michigan had its chance to win it late uh, in that seventh inning, but Megan Good uh, was great uh, in that final. It really throughout the whole weekend, but uh, those five games, there was there was drama in each of them.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. You, you mentioned the blown call and the loss to Michigan on. I can't even keep my day straight. That was Saturday. That was I, Saturday. I, yeah, that was Saturday. Yeah. and that that was that was pivotal too because yeah. you think at that point one of those two teams
0: whether it was Michigan or JMU if you know you don't know if that call determines the outcome of the game But it certainly, you know, probably plays a part at least a little bit because you're talking about James Madison possibly having a runner on first base in that inning and a chance to score uh, in a game where there there were minimal chances for both sides. Uh, You're putting a runner on base and and you're taking that away from JMU. So uh, You you also put the team in a situation where uh, because they lost that game, they're going on to to play in an elimination game and they survive that no problem but yeah. uh, you're still putting them in that situation
1: yeah you you know that call you, everybody's going to look and talk about that you you never know what's going to happen uh especially considering the way Michigan was able to turn multiple double plays like throughout the tournament but that if they make the correct call there JMU likely ends up with the bases loaded with less than 2 outs where all they got to do is get a ball up to the outfield to get a run in and then you know in a one nothing game maybe that one's going you know 13 14 15 innings after that but um you know in the end it doesn't end up mattering cuz you know JMU probably was fortunate to get the rain out the next day they got a little extra rest uh, for you know the whole team but you know for Megan who wound up pitching 14 innings again on monday um you know maybe that ended up being you know where the luck kind of balanced out for them yeah megan good well
0: let's go over it for the fourth defiance product uh 25 and two thirds innings thrown uh three earned runs allowed and that's it that's all she gave up 18 hits nine walks 21 Ks, three wins and then at the plate she hit 333 with the four hits uh, home run, of course, in the finale uh, against Michigan, uh, really supporting herself. Almost had the Little League game uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. where she was the only one to support herself. But uh, uh, they end up getting another run and uh, just, a, just a tremendous uh, regional for Megan Good. And, and that's, uh, like I said at the Open, that's something we talked about last week was could Megan Good, a fifth-year senior local product who's been part of this program's rise from a good one to an elite one, could she do enough to kind of carry the team if they got in a situation where they were playing a lot of close games?
1: And the answer is a resounding yes. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like throughout this whole season we kind of fell asleep on her a little bit. Just because you get used to her dominating, which, you know, frankly is lesser competition in the CAA. You know, they're winning these games – Eight, nine, ten to nothing, eleven to one. You kind of don't appreciate, you know, her incredibly RA, her the fact that she's allowing, you know, shut. She's pitching shutouts or allowing one run, and you can count on that day in day out. Just the fact that they were dominating those games so much, I think maybe you just didn't appreciate the level she was playing at.
0: Well, especially as much as you should have. Yeah, especially. Given her situation, the fact that she coming off of a yeah. major injury. I mean, this isn't, you know, a, a, I don't know, whatever, twisted ankle or something uh, like that. Or a, or a hamstring tweak. Uh, this was major knee surgery she went yeah. under. Uh, and I, I don't think Kevin Warner would mind if I said this, but we were talking, and, and even he, he and I were going back and forth uh, during that CA championship game, uh, about, what was that now, two weeks ago. And uh he was telling me you know he, he at at first she just wasn't quite herself. it took her you know it took her a couple starts to get uh you know back to the the level of play that everybody was used to seeing her at and then she finally did, and now it's just been she's been getting better and better and better and more comfortable and more relaxed and you could just you could just see it whether it's at the plate or in
1: the circle yeah um yeah, like you said i even she kind of admitted that she wasn't sure what she was going to be once she started competing again she you know she knew she felt good she knew um, she had recovered but until she actually pitched against top notch competition she really didn't know what to expect from herself and like you said maybe it took a game or two or you know a couple weeks especially when their season was so front loaded with the level of competition they played Um, but you know she dominated throughout the conference play um, and played really well against some of those good teams. You know early in the season, but it wasn't really until this week that it was kind of like, oh yeah, this is why she was national player of the year two years ago. This is why she wins all these awards. This is why you know her picture is on the side of the stadium. You know all this stuff. Like she is really like maybe the best player in the country. If not, she's in the top handful of players. Yeah, I, I would say
0: I would say she's in that conversation with somebody yeah. they'll see this weekend too. Yeah. We'll talk about UCLA in a minute, but uh, just to, just to talk about the local products a little bit too. Uh, I, I just watching that game yesterday. It was funny because Megan Good, she struck out the last batter, of course. Dropped third strike. Roadcap, uh, TA grad, had to pick it up and, and throw it to first. And then you see Good and, and Roadcap embrace in celebration. Uh, Roadcap also had that phenomenal tag on Cambry Arnold's throw. She's kind of a, a very steady part of that team. Not a lot of people talk about her because she doesn't hit the home runs like Kate Gordon does. And she doesn't strike everybody out like Megan Good does. Kirsten Roadcap plays a vital role for that softball team.
1: Yeah, I mean, just you know, just maybe pass balls that didn't end up being pass balls that she was able to stop in these all these one two run games, you know, um, where you know maybe Michigan could have extended an inning, things like that. Um, You know, those were huge plays. You mentioned the tag she put on. uh, She calls the game being you know starting pitcher or starting catcher, which you know the we could probably do a whole episode on the uh, broadcast team from ESPN for the uh, thing. But uh, one of the good points I thought they did make was, you know, Michigan was using a backup catcher, which meant that she wasn't calling the game, which added something else for their coaching staff to do. You know, maybe kind of throw off their rhythms a little bit because the signals are coming in. But, you know, yeah, what Kirsten Roadcap's been able to do, basically just being a rock back there all year is, you know, just one of the many reasons they're in the position they're in. Yeah, local products for sure making a big impact for James Madison. Can't forget
0: about Kate Gordon, the Page County former Page County star. Two home runs on Saturday against yeah. DePaul. Another home run in the first game on Monday against Michigan. Uh, she she's really just been incredible for JMU all year, and probably definitely their best hitter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm and oh, Might, okay. might okay. make a, a case for that, but you know, the power numbers, the average. Uh, I mean. Yeah, Kate Gordon's been, you know, the best overall hitter, best offensive player for them, you know, this year. They've they've got some good ones behind her too. That's part of what makes them so tough is, you know, she bats in that number two spot. We've talked about this with, you know, Lauren Laporte a couple times. She bats in that number two spot and if you ever think about maybe well, we're gonna walk her, you looked at you know, Megan Good, Aussie Alexander, and Sarah Jubas are all coming up right behind her. You're not going to walk her, so she you know gets pitches to hit, and she does her job when she does. And yeah, that lineup
0: is, is deep for sure. Uh, you know, we, everybody saw what they did in against CA competition throughout the regular season, and then even in the conference tournament. Uh, it's still explosive enough where maybe they're not scoring 11 runs, but they get the solo home run, they get you know the key base hit uh, when it matters to score score run and win some of these close games.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of the difference. You know, they put up all those huge offensive numbers against the CAA teams. Part of the reason is they're the bottom of their order, their, you know, seven, eight, nine leadoff hitters could all get a lot of hits against those teams. So home runs became two, three run home runs. They hit a lot of solo home runs in this game, which is the difference between the level of pitching they were facing. There just weren't the number of people on base, but you kind of see the depth of the lineup, because people were still getting hits. I think everybody in the lineup had a moment at some point during the regional where they, you know, came through. It just wasn't necessarily the batting around in an inning like they've kind of gotten used to. And, you know, some people were like, well, what's the matter with the offense? Uh, I, mean, I think it was just more like this was the regional with great pitching. Like, really, three teams in this regional had really good pitching, and, you know, Michigan and JMU have elite pitchers. Yeah, for sure. And the only team they didn't see in the regional was, was St.
0: Francis, who was the first team uh, eliminated yeah. in the event. Okay, so now JMU 51 and eight. They've won 23 of their last 24. They're rolling with some momentum into ucla they'll go to number two ucla for the super regional Uh, games are friday saturday and sunday friday they'll play 9 p.m on espnu saturday will be 8 p.m on espn then sunday if necessary because it is a best of three series uh will be 4 p.m on espnu the bruins Forty nine and six overall, went twenty and four in the Pac twelve. Uh, they beat Weber State and Missouri three times to advance to the super regionals. This UCLA team, one of the top contenders in the country.
1: Yeah, I mean this is gonna be a tough super regional for them. I mean any, any super regional they get to is tough, but you know, UCLA I think is one of those teams that people think could win a national championship. But, you know, the pitching that JMU has shown here Lately, you're you're gonna be in any game if you get that kind of performance from you know Megan Good and Odyssey Alexander. So okay, so one one before we get into like scouting
0: UCLA and everything they bring, uh, we just got to talk about they have their own version of Megan Good. Uh, Rachel Garcia was the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year and Pac-12 Player of the Year, first time in Pac-12 history that has happened. Pretty incredible numbers: twenty-three and one, one point oh two ERA. 238 strikeouts and 157 and a third innings in the circle. She's hitting 340 with eight homers and 30 RBIs. It, it literally is, uh, you know, the, their version of, of Megan
1: Good. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that she did it in a Pac 12 is pretty incredible. You know, not to take anything away from Megan Good because, you know, the, she's played some really good teams throughout her career and always showed up to play in those games. So, but, you know, the fact that she's done that in the Pac-12 for an entire season is, you know, pretty, pretty darn impressive. Can JMU take away the fact that they do have some common opponents
0: this year? Uh, obviously, uh, Michigan has played both JMU and UCLA. Uh, you look at some of the other schools UCLA has played that the JMU has faced the Arizona schools Arizona Arizona State. Uh, I, I think JMU played Missouri this year. I, I might be mistaken not on that. This year, maybe the think, past you know. past couple of years yeah. though. That I, I remember seeing Missouri on a yeah. schedule for JMU. Uh, but the fact that there are some common opponents, some 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 games to look at, and knowing that uh, you know UCLA did lose to Michigan. There, there is maybe a little vulnerability there.
1: Yeah, I mean I think so. It's you know it's softball. It's similar to baseball. It's not. You know, anybody can win on a given day. That's the reason they play. this the reason they set up postseasons the way they do in these sports, you know, whether it be a double elimination tournament in the college ranks or a seven-game series in the professional ranks is because, you know, depending on what kind of pitching you get from day to day, you know, that's how you judge which team is the best over the long haul. And, you know, is it impossible for JMU to win two more games? I don't think so. It's At all, It's going to be a huge challenge because UCLA is a really, really good team. But like I said before, so much of it comes down to pitching. And right now I think JMU's got to feel as good about their pitching as anybody in the country. I know JMU has the three pitchers,
0: Good, Odyssey, Alexander, and Burrish. But there's no way you can go away from Megan Good at this point, right? Do you you even think about starting
1: anybody else and letting anybody else pitch? I don't think so. I think, you know, she – finishes out her career here. You know, maybe you try to get some spot innings from, you know, Alexander here and there, um, you know, maybe depending on what the situation looks like when you're three or four or five innings into game one, you decide what to do from there. But, um, yeah, I think you start with Megan and, you know, ride her as long as you can. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. You, you win or you lose with her.
2: Yeah. I, I
0: mean, at this point in the season – she, she's your most experienced player by a lot. She's played in all these big games. Uh, she's been to a super regional before. Uh, she's pitched. I don't I don't even know if that if she has the record for the most innings pitched
1: in JMU history. I, I don't know. I don't know either. But it, it, this is her. I mean, she's the lone senior on this team. She's been just you know the face of this program for so. Right. Long I was gonna say for at, at least point, the past four years. You yeah you. Yeah, you give her the ball and, you know, see what she can do. I mean, you feel good about the fact that, you know, you have a pitcher who's, you know, almost as good in Odyssey Alexander. They're waiting, you know, if you need her. But, yeah, you give her the ball and you see what happens at this
0: point. Yeah, for sure. Okay, you know, I'm going to ask, when we when we meet next week to talk, uh, are you getting ready for a trip to Oklahoma City? Or, uh,
1: or are we talking about what a great year the Dukes had? I don't know. I I feel like I could be getting ready for Oklahoma City. I, I I always hesitate to make bold predictions, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. They've just kind of they've been rolling I felt like after they lost that first game to Michigan, I really felt like they were gonna win the next two. I mean I felt like, see what happens I felt, in like that beating, I felt like beating DePaul was a given. I thought they would get two more against Michigan just because of the way, you know they had outplayed them for 20-some innings and come up 1-1 one and one yeah. in those games um, I really felt like they were going to outplay them for the next 14 and and get through the regional um, I think they have a shot I think they have a real shot to beat UCLA but I wouldn't call them a favorites at this point um Nothing would surprise me, I don't think. So James
0: Madison softball will play its first game of the Super Regional, first trip to the Super Regional since they hosted it uh, back in 2016. They'll play Friday at 9 p.m. on ESPN ESPNU uh, against the Bruins of UCLA. So let, let's switch gears. Uh, while the softball uh, national Super Regionals is going on out in California, here in Harrisonburg, Uh, The CA Baseball Tournament uh, comes back for a second straight year, and that actually begins tomorrow on Wednesday at Veterans Memorial Park. JMU will play in the second game tomorrow at 4 p.m. At 4 p.m. against third-seeded William & Mary. JMU is the sixth seed. Snuck in the tournament, but the big deal is that the Dukes are in it. Could not say that a year ago, and that's been the biggest thing. Uh, That's the biggest difference in all this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was what they had to do. I mean, it was going to be such a disappointment if they were watching other teams play on their field without being a part of the event again. Um, and came down to the last weekend, and they I guess they slipped through by the narrowest of margins, but...
0: Yeah, they they beat UNCW this past Friday in the opener that, or this past Thursday because it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and how they how they did the final weekend of the CAA, but uh, managed to beat UNCW in the opener of that series, and that was enough. Uh, that, that snuck them into the tournament. Uh, they lost the last two games of that series, but it didn't matter because they had already clinched a uh, place in the tournament. Uh, one through six, your seeds are Elon is the top seed, and they were the best team in the conference by far all year. They also have the best pitcher in the league, uh, was named CA Pitcher of the Year uh, on uh, just a little bit ago, earlier today. Uh, George Kirby, 8-1 with a 2.07 ERA. He's also the 20th best prospect for this year's MLB draft, according to MLB.com. The two-seed is Charleston. Uh, They've won eight straight. Uh, The three-seed, like I said, is the Tribe of William and Mary. Uh, Four-seed is Northeastern. They'll play the five-seed UNCW, uh, which actually uh, won the event last year. Uh, the sixth seed is JMU. So, CAA Baseball Tournament gets underway uh, tomorrow. I'll be there covering that. So, uh, anytime, however far JMU goes is, is how is, is how much I'll be covering uh, the CAA Baseball Tournament. Last bit of JMU news I did want to get to is on the football side. Uh, the transfer market has heated up for the Dukes. They've added two transfers in the past week since we last talked here on the Rocktown Sports Pod. Antonio Colclough, a defensive lineman from Temple, uh, committed this past Saturday. He's got four years of eligibility left. Didn't play at all at Temple, uh, but uh, is going to come play for Kurt Signetti at JMU. And this was Colt-Clough on why he chose James Madison.
3: Well, you know, I feel like it was just the best move for me my family for real. Uh, that really came down to the ultimate decision. You know, I was really thinking about going the Juco route. You know, taking a year there, then, you know, going back to F, uh, FBS football, Power 5. But, you know, I went to a bunch of CAA schools. You know, when I got to JMU, like, the energy, it was just different. Like, you know, honestly, I felt like JMU should really be an FBS team, in, in, in my opinion. I'm just like, yo, this school was crazy. So then, you know, I, I really felt like I had a really good connection with the coaches. Um, You know, great facilities, great football, and I feel like I could really just flourish there. And flourish at JMU by just coming here, handle my business.
0: His other options were all CAA schools: Elon, Towson, Stony Brook, uh, in the mix. But ultimately, chose JMU. Also had the option to maybe go to junior college and then try to bounce back to the FBS. Uh, but visited JMU, and uh, you know, felt like that was uh, the place for him. I think he'll probably be an inside guy uh, when you look at the defensive line. JMU has two locked-in starters at end in Rondell Carter and John Dhaka but uh, they need a little help on the, on the interior of their defensive line. Uh, they have two likely starters in Mike Green and Adiba Tarwa, but uh, need some help behind that because they really don't have much behind that, whereas they have guys like Matt Terrell and Isaac Ukwu behind Dhaka and Carter. There's really not anybody behind Green and Tarwa, so I think Colt Clough uh, he, he's a little bit bigger, about 240, uh, 245 right now, uh, and, and with the potential to grow a little bit since he's only going to be a redshirt freshman. I think he'll fit there on the interior of the defensive line and maybe place him outside uh, if the Dukes need him to. This is what he said. Uh, he This, this is kind of how he classified the type of player he is.
3: I'm a, I'm a go get him kind of player. I played defensive end all my life. You know, I rush that edge. I get after the quarterback. I'm explosive, and I'm, I'm real physical. You know, I, I like to, to grab people and, you know, move them out of my way if I have to. You know, and I I feel like that's another reason why if I end, if I end up playing inside, I'm going to do a great job. I'm going to do a solid job because I feel like if you line up in front of me, that's, that's just disrespectful to me. So I'm going to move you out of my way.
0: The other transfer James Madison got Brandon Polk, wide receiver from Penn State. Uh, went to Briarwoods High School up in Northern Virginia. He's got one year of eligibility left. Uh, provides a little bit of slot depth, I think, for the Dukes uh, this coming fall. Probably will pair nicely with Jake Brown, who had a great second half of last year. Uh, and then really solidified it with a solid spring. Uh, but besides Brown, they don't, they don't have too many guys that they can rely on at that position. Polk gives that gives them that right away. Uh, 27 catches, 367 yards, four touchdowns in his career at Penn State, 18 rushes, 159 yards, in a score. So that's another added element. Uh, Maybe they can use him on the jet sweeps and and maybe some options uh, if they want to bring the receiver around to take a handoff every now and then, they can do that too. Uh, Will be a factor in the return game, I think. Maybe return kicks. I don't think he'll return punts because D'Angelo Amos is the best in the country. Uh, But uh, two pickups for JMU nonetheless to add. Uh, a little bit of depth to their roster, which uh, is is always important.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, you're bringing in FBS level guys, whether you know worked out there or not. You know, you talk about you know one guy who played there for three years. So I mean, I think he's you know shown he's <clears throat> shown what he's capable of. But you know, also getting a guy with four years of eligibility is always a nice thing. It, you know, comes in having already done some work at the college level. you know he's been in a college weight room. he's been in the strength program, things like that. like you know that's that's a big a big advantage to you know bring in somebody with four years eligibility, but have that kind of head start on things.
0: yeah and for, and for sure with, with Polk, I, I think with Polk, the big advantage is, is that he he has experience. Uh, he, he they're young at the receiver position and considering they don't really know what's going to happen with the Riley Stapleton situation yet. They needed another body in that receiver room, Uh, so he gives them that. He's actually the third uh, transfer from the Big Ten that James Madison has gotten in the last three years. Wayne Davis, uh, Ohio State defensive back last year, and had a great first season at Madison uh, this past fall. And then Rondell Carter the year before from Rutgers. Uh, So whenever you can poke a few players from the Big Ten bring them your way, uh, that's probably a good thing. I don't know if it'll be the last transfer. Uh, Maybe they, they need a guy. Uh, I think they probably could use another defensive back, uh, just just based on a little bit of health issues that Robinson and Tut have had in the past. You always want to maybe add another body, then. Uh, But other than that, I think you know all hands on deck. I had a story. in today's paper on the 2020 recruiting class and, and what Kurt Signetti's trying to do there. Uh, so big big kind of recruiting time uh, for the James Madison football program. One thing I did want to ask you about before I switch gears and talk high school stuff with Cody and Jim is is just about basketball. I know you had a story today in the paper uh, about uh, what's been kind of going on as Lou Rowe searches
1: uh, to find his, his last assistant. Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot uh... – you know, in that regard, they lost uh, Tim Johnson, who is you know kind of he was kind of emerged as a little bit of a you know hot commodity on the uh, coaching market. He's you know been a great recruiter for JMU before that was a real solid recruiter for Wofford before he <clears throat> came up here. Um, what he got an interview for the head coaching job there at Wofford, which is his alma mater. Um, I'm not sure if he was ever you know considered a strong candidate for that job but you know he did get the interview um, and then wound up going to Furman as you know one of their top assistants now which is you know back into an area that's kind of home for he you know he spent a lot of time there it's kind of home for his wife and her family and things there in the upstate of South Carolina so the move made some sense for him there now they just kind of are you know looking to fill that position you know I think it's Quite possible they fill that from within, you know, somebody already in the support staff um, or, you know, look for it. It will probably happen fairly quickly, I think, but, you know, um, it won't be an extended, drawn-out national search at this point, I don't think.
0: Gotcha. And uh, last thing, the Union Bank and Trust Center is no longer that. It's going to
1: be what? The uh, Atlantic Union Bank. I always I have to think to make sure I'm getting the words in the right order there. But yes, Atlantic Union Bank is what it is now. If, you, if you've been driving around the valley, you've probably seen the, uh, uh, I'm hoping, are temporary signs on all the bank branches because they frankly don't look that good. But uh, yeah, the, the bank rebranded, changed its name, and now um, the arena is doing the same. So it'll have a different name when it opens up uh, in the fall of 2020. Yeah, Shane, you can see that. That great new arena
0: being built now for for the basketball program when you drive uh, right around town. uh, You can see it start to take shape. It actually looks like an arena now. Anyway, going to switch gears, get back uh, to the spring sports, uh, but this time on the high school level. Bring in sports editor Jim Sacco and prep writer Cody Elliott to join me now. Valley District. Uh, what did you call it? Jubilee? Is that what they call that's it? That's what they call it. Yeah, they to kind
2: of take off on the spring jubilee, the VHSL where their state championships are held, and hey, it's you know I I've always I'll always have my issues as long as there's consolation games, but they do a heck of a job out there, and I do like how they all them in one place. You can kind of walk around the five six you know four or five different games depending on what time you're there, and and, and you know that's good on them that they decided
0: to do that. I think they've done that for like two two years now, two three years now. I say each of the past. Couple of years, I've I've been there covering covering something, yeah. uh, and it is a nice setup. It's, oh, it's, it's very convenient because I'm sure parents got kids on multiple teams.
4: Exactly. Uh, it's very very
0: easy. Cody, are you a
4: fan of the Jubilee? I am. Yeah, I thought I thought it provided a good atmosphere, and I thought it was cool. You know, the baseball game kind of lingered into the night. That was one of the later games, and you saw some of those athletes from the other sports coming over and supporting you know their classmates. So that's always cool to see kind of the different the different sports kind of come together, and they they probably don't get to see each other play often. So you know to be able to do that. All in one night it was pretty cool. You gotta watch yourself if you're on the soccer pitch up there, though, because a couple of those foul balls, you heard <laughs> heads,
2: and we all kind of just did this because I sat on the far side where the the benches were, and you, the ball would land like halfway onto the soccer pitch. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that's a great. I, I, it's it's just neat.
0: I'm glad glad you avoided the foul balls. Yeah, don't don't need the sports editor on the on the DL. Uh, but, though, the other nice thing though is, is that all the games got in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, 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 was, there was about there was a good hour or so where it looked uh, extremely sketchy, and we were thinking, oh no, this thing, this thing's gonna be a mess. <laughs> I remember pulling out of the, I was I was on the uh, what
2: is it Garber's Church Road, pulling out of the high school, and I'm driving back to the office after the 5:30 girls' soccer game, and I saw this flash of lightning, and I was just like, I mean, I immediately just almost I almost wrecked my
4: car. I was like, oh, here we go, you know, we're gonna be here all night, Whoa. lightning delays. Yeah, and we actually had a. a, a the shortest delay I've ever seen in a baseball game, the umpire, I saw some lightning and it was actually back behind the softball field and he he called a lightning delay, and then Harrisburg officials actually had to come out and talk him out of it and convince him not not to not to keep it going because it was like the sixth inning we were, we were really close to being towards the end and but yeah, we actually briefly went into it, and then they talked him out of it, and they, they ended up getting it in, so that was definitely a relief
0: yeah i I heard the radio in the softball press box when that was going on, and you hear Harrisonburg's a d yelling like it's forty miles away we're yeah. fine uh, so they, they got it in uh, but anyway, let's start with that baseball game because Last week on this podcast, we discussed what the heck happened to Broadway baseball. (laughs) How did T.A. climb out of nowhere? And, of course, what happens last week, this past Friday, at that Valley District Championship? It was Broadway 5, and T.A nothing. A complete role reversal, Cody.
4: Yeah, I mean, Broadway, they they just put together, I think, just an all-around great performance. I mean, they they got enough early hits. um, They jumped out and they scored three runs in the the first inning, and that just kind of set the tone. And then, you know, on the mound, um, Jacob Petersheim was just unstoppable. I mean, he he, he gave up one hit throughout the entire game um, up until the final inning, and then he gave up And both of them that he gave up for the game. So two hits were both little bloop singles in the infield, so they weren't even, you know, it wasn't like they really got a hold of the ball. So, you know, that was just a dominating performance from him. And then, like I said, I thought they made enough plays early to just kind of set the tone. And then you just felt like they were in cruise control the rest of the game. And, you know, um, from the start it was loud out of the dugout and brought for Broadway. And on the other side you just kind of felt like T.A. maybe was going through the motions a little bit. They had, they had already, you know, knew where they were seated for the regional tournament. They knew, you know, they didn't really have a whole lot at stake um, where Broadway was maybe trying to prove something a little bit more. And I think you could see that from the start. And I thought the result kind of showed that at the end. I know we, we were kind of texting back and
0: forth while these games were going on to, to give each other some updates, and you said kind of the big break in action was when bright suitors took off from third base and stole home.
4: Yeah, well, I thought it was just symbolic of kind of the the, the fortune that each team had that game where, where Broadway had brought the energy and, and, you know, after suitors play, the dugout just exploded and it was loud and it was energetic. And then on the other side, you know, T.A. was just it was one bad break after another the entire game, and that was just kind of, you know, just showed exactly how the basically the entire game went for TA and 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 it was just that kind of night for them and uh, you know afterwards they were they were very you know they felt like they could regroup quickly and and get things going again you know before their quarterfinal game against Fort Defiance.
0: I know last week Jim you you had said you were more interested in what was going to happen with Broadway after they they had lost that regular season finale to TA. How impressed are you that not only did they bounce back and take care of business in the early rounds, but Managed to win the whole thing. Well, yeah, it's just how they did it too. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't
2: Danny Grog coach third base, mm-hmm. as opposed to usually the head coach coaches third yeah. base? Yeah. I mean, so l- let's look forward here. What does this say about Broadway football, where Danny Grog is talking Bryce suitors and the stealing home, right?
0: I mean, <laughs> can he talk Suiters and the sticking around on the football field?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what does this say about football? What kind of plays are we going to see in football out of Danny? Uh, you know, when when, the, when they put the pads on. But I mean, what a what a what a gutsy call in a big game, and, and, and immediately when I you know when Cody, uh, I'm not I'm not cool like you guys. I don't you guys don't text me obviously when games are going on. you <laughs> well, you like,
0: you're like, like, like okay. I'm like in
2: this black hole when when games are going on. I don't get these texts. I gotta live and die by Twitter. But when, Co- when Cody tweeted that, you know, I was like, I mean, I was like, oh, that's not a wow. You know, you talk about wanting to go out there and prove a point. And to prove a point with a gutsy call like that, I mean, I you know I gotta you know excuse my Yiddish here, but I admire the chutzpah that uh, that Broadway showed in that game. And I mean, that's that's what you wanted. I mean, that's what you want going forward. I mean, I, no one knows how long Broadway is going to last in this. I think there's too many inconsistencies with with Broadway and and Turner Ashby where, you know, maybe if I'm a betting man and, and you know, I'm not maybe thinking a really deep run for either one of these teams, just could be, just because of the inconsistencies that are going to come when with they're age. They're
4: both so young. They're both so young.
2: Yeah, and, and that are going to be fixed as they get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, once again, I wouldn't be stunned if one of them did make a nice run, but that's neither here nor there. That's for the next week's podcast. I, I just, you know, I... I, I, I that's that's nice though. That's how you want to go in the regionals. If you're going to go in the regionals by beating your big rival, you go in the regionals by really taking it to your big rival. And hey, here's your exclamation point: We're going to steal home on our stud sophomore, you know, just to really jam the point home that we're not going anywhere. And yeah, you won the regular season, but we're going to take this tournament. And yeah, you're the number one, number one TA's number one go or number two or number one going to the regionals. Uh, Ta is number two. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're you're no- number four. You're number two going to the regionals. We're four, uh, but hey, you know rem- we're here. Remember this, yeah. you know, because we're gonna we may see each other if we can get these inconsistencies taken care of. We may see each other again before you know before we head down to the state tournament.
4: Well, I thought. I thought that game just really, and maybe it was the district tournament as a whole, just kind of gave them that confidence back that they had during their 15-game winning streak. And they said after the game that they never lost it, but I think, you know – I think they definitely had to at least a little bit. I mean, you lose back-to-back games, especially one to Waynesboro and then the T.A. to close out the year. Um, you know, they, they didn't quite look themselves in, the, in either of those games. So then to come out and they get a one-run win over Fort, um, one that they trailed in for, for a lot of the game, and it was just kind of a gritty win. And then to come out and just make a statement like that against T.A., I mean, you know, like I said, T.A. just never could get anything going at the plate. And, you know, to make a statement like that, I think it has to give put Broadway in a good spot going into the regional tournament.
2: <laughs> Again. Danny freaking Grog talking Bryce in the you know in the Stealing home. I swear to God, if we don't if that team doesn't run the old Western Elmar Lonesome Polecat during the football season for a touchdown <laughs> or down by six with less than a minute to go, I'll be stunned. That's just such a gutsy I, call. I'm
4: waiting on Broadway Football to let a uh, let a fan on Twitter call a play or something yeah. this this year. <laughs> That's such a gutsy call. That was just great. How was Andrew Armstrong? Andrew was a. Uh, uh, he was very um, matter of fact after after the game. He, you know, he, he, I think he just realized the bigger picture, and, I, and that's what he preached to his guys after the game. Was, you, you know, yeah, I'm sure it, it it stung a little bit for them to sit there and have to watch Broadway over there with the trophy and having the celebration and everything. But you know, all of their goals are still intact. They're they're still in a better position um, for the regional tournament because you know everybody's talking out of that region about Fluvanna County, and they they serve as the one seed. The way the the way it's set up now is is Broadway could possibly face them in the semifinals, where TA would avoid them until the championship, and that's huge. Um, when you talk to some of the other coaches about who they want to avoid, that's the one team, and so um, TA is still okay. Uh, and and like we've talked about so many times, on here before. I mean, it's TA, and they and they've been here before. Um, whether these kids have before or not is, is another question. But you know, as a program, they've been here, and 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 I think they're they remain very confident going into this week.
0: So not a great finish to the Valley District tournament for TA baseball, but my gosh, the softball team at Turner Ashby, their two division one, uh, future division one players were fantastic in a ten nothing Mercy Rule championship win over Rockbridge County. Is this is this kind of what you expected for TA to be able to turn it on when they when they needed to?
4: I think this is what we expected at the beginning of the year for sure and, and what we saw for most of the year and, and they would have, you know, letdowns here or there. They had the lost to Rockbridge and they had, you know, the game against Broadway where they didn't feel like they played as well, but this is the team definitely that that I think we all thought we were getting after, you know, they were kind of ahead of the curve last year and, and they make that run. Um, you know, this year they've had their sights set on a return to the state tournament and maybe more once they get there, so um, I think they're they're, they're kind of clicking maybe at the right time and and like we talked about last week I think that loss towards the end of the year to Rockbridge kind of maybe motivated them kind of refocused them a little bit and got them going here going into regional play. Oh, to be a fly on the wall
2: in that locker room after that loss to Rockbridge, <laughs> you know what what Clint Curry must have said to his squad and and you know Clint's is, is a very matter of fact, very I expect you to win kind of guy. And they buy in at Turner Ashby, very Andrew Armstrong esque, maybe with just a you know a little more animated Andrew Armstrong, maybe a little more down home, homespun Andrew Armstrong. <laughs> would we call Clint Curry? Uh, I would have loved to heard what he said because that team just came out just ready to rock and roll in that district tournament. And and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, they they just looked fantastic all the way through.
4: Yeah, I mean, and and I thought even you know. You know, I wasn't at the game. You were at the game, but just even when I was watching the highlights, and of course we had the photos that were entertaining. I mean, it just looked like they just had so much energy, kind of like where I talked about Broadway. It just looked like that group was like, it was like they were rejuvenated or something. I mean, they, they had the cowboy hats on, and 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 you know, even when Carly hit the home run, you could see the whole team was at home plate. They were jumping around. It just looked like a team that you know maybe had a newfound energy now as the playoffs were rolling around.
0: Yeah, Carly Davis, uh, who play, who will play her college softball at Elon for uh, Kathy Bocock. Uh, she hit a grand slam in that one, and that, that was kind of the, the the changing moment of the game. And then you had Michaela Sizek, which if she pitches like that the rest of the way, uh, this T-18 probably could go as far as Sizek takes her earlier, Shane and I were talking about Megan Good and Megan Good probably gonna take JMU as far as, as far as they can go. Probably the same thing applies to Sizick and TA. Sizzick will play our college softball at Winthrop, but thirteen strikeouts and a two hit complete game shutout. Uh, j- just tremendous.
4: Yeah, I mean, it seems like she's gotten better as the years went along. And, and she does that a lot in games as well. She'll start off maybe and give up a hit or two, and then she kind of gets better and, and gets, you know, it seems like she's throwing faster and faster as the game goes along. And it seems like that's been kind of her progression throughout the year as well. And yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I think that as, as far as she goes is how far TA goes this year. And, um, you know, fortunately for them, she's clicking at the right time.
0: Yeah, this that guy was able to catch up with Sizek and Davis after the game. Uh, this was Sizek. Uh, not only on the district win, but, but that game she just had uh, in the circle with the 13 strikeouts. Second straight Valley District title for you guys. Uh,
5: it means everything. Um, we woke up this morning. It was a killer attitude all day. Like, we were ready to come play ball today. Um, we had a lot of fun before the game. We were relaxed. We were like, we're going to go get this done. Like, we, no exceptions. We're going to go get it done. So.
0: As we say, they, they gave you the only regular season, or like district loss, yeah. rather. How, how much of motivation was, was there for that? <laughs> it was a
5: lot of motivation. And some things happened like in between that, that we were like, okay, we got to pick it up. We got to, like, this is the district championship. It means everything. Like, I wanted it back to back. All, all of us girls wanted it back to back, and it means a lot, so. Gotcha.
0: How, how good were you feeling in the circle tonight? I mean, you were just strike after strike.
5: Um, I'm not going to lie, I was feeling pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I was feeling pretty good. Um, what, what I mean was there anything not working
0: for you? I mean, it seemed like every every pitch you had when you needed it. Uh,
5: no, there wasn't anything working on. We had a good mix, and it was just working for us. Like um, I would throw a pitch, and then I would turn around and throw another pitch, and it was just it was something that worked, and we stuck to it the whole six innings. So because
0: like, they they got two hits early, yeah. And then nothing after that. I mean, nothing after that. Did, yeah. Was there any kind of flip flip, uh, flip of a switch, or you were just you were just throwing strikes, and they they happened to hit those?
5: Pitches? Um, it was kind of a flip of a switch. Um, the hit. I shook off Carly um so I probably should have listened to Carly but I was like no I feel like this would be best and then she got a hit but um no we definitely I just decided I was like I'm not gonna let any more hits so
0: I say when you you get on that kind of roll when you're striking out one hitter after the other I I mean uh I mean, what, what kind of role does that put you on, and, and does, that, does that get you, like, I guess, kind of just in this momentum where you're just Yeah, I,
5: it's definitely an adrenaline, adrenaline rush. Like, it just goes through your body, and you're like, all right, I'm ready to pitch again, all right, I'm ready to pitch again. It definitely is just a rush that goes through your body. Like, let's keep going. So
0: And then this was Davis uh, talking about that same win and then also what it was like catching Because uh, you got to remember their battery, uh, and, and that's, that's quite the duo there. Uh, what what did you what did you see on a Grand Slam?
6: Um. You know, they were keeping me outside, so I was just trying to stay within myself. I wasn't trying to do too much because, like, people expect me to do that. And so, like, I'm walking up there and I'm like, don't try to hit a home run. Like, try to hit a base hit, and that's what happened.
0: When you see the ball sail over the fence, what's what's in your mind? Because that's, that's the game right there. That's the decisive blow right there.
6: Yeah, I was fist bumping the whole way around. And then to see my team, I think that's the fastest home run try I've ever done in my life.
0: <laughs> what's it mean to, to win the Valley District title again back-to-back back years?
6: Um, both years actually uh, the team
0: okay. right. beat right. us okay yes and then yeah. we
6: came back and won. Yeah. This one just felt a little more special considering okay. we won nine yep. to nothing and uh they beat us on senior night, but you know it was a big win.
0: How good was Makayla tonight? You're back there catching air. How good was she tonight?
6: Oh, she's awesome. She's awesome every night. <laughs> I I cannot think of a bad night that she's had. Yeah. You know I have so much confidence in her, and I know she has confidence in me, and we just click together.
0: And you say how much easier is it for the, just kind of the rest of the team to be settled? when I mean, everybody knows she's gonna plug zeros and strike people out, and yeah. move, move the game along.
6: Yeah. We had an issue with relying on her and just like relying with her. <laughs> and Not hitting, but um, we definitely picked it up this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's gonna show up, yeah. like, that's just what Michaela does, and we just have to show up behind her. Okay,
0: so Turner Ashby softball, uh, moving on. What, what kind of chances do you give them? I don't know, you I know, you don't know the draws yet uh, for the regional, but, but what kind of chances do you give them?
4: I think if you're looking at you know, in terms of all of our city county teams that are. Getting ready for regional play, I think they're the team that's most likely to, to make a deep run. I think, you know, we, they've got two Division One players. We've talked about Michaela Sizzik. Carly Davis is, you know, I mean, Clint Curry has told me before he thinks those two as a battery are, are one of the best in the state. So, you know, you put those two out there, you're going to have a chance against anybody. And, you know, if Sizzik continues to pitch the way she is and and they can continue to get, you know, timely hits from some of those other players around um, Carly Davis, I mean, I, I see no reason why they can't win, you know, m- multiple games in the region and, and make a run back into the state tournament.
0: Okay. Want to switch gears again? Go to the soccer's boys soccer. It was Spotswood over Waynesboro, one nothing. Uh, penalty kick by Avery Atwell. Uh He his name's been associated with that program for 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 a while now. I feel like I've I've written his name down quite a bit over the past couple of years.
2: Twice redshirt senior, Avery Atwell, It sounds like. I mean, it's, <laughs> seriously. I mean, we were right about this kid. he was 12 years old. It seemed like that's a nice win for him because Waynesboro no joke. I mean, Waynesboro is obviously a very good soccer team and. And for that defense to, to to play as well as it's played all year, and they have played well all year, and to you know to keep that game scoreless until that penalty kick situation arises, I mean. You know, I don't know what the rest of the state, or the rest of the region has to offer, but I
4: gotta think
2: that Spotswood can do something, right? Coming out of three,
4: yeah, sir, three C, yeah, uh, three Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what the rest of three C looks like, but I, I think they definitely have a chance to at least get to, you know, to that semifinal round and where they have, they have a chance to clinch a state berth. And then, um, you know, I think where they might run into trouble is when you get into some of those teams over the mountain. When you're talking about Charlottesville and some of those schools, Western Albemarle and some of those schools, um, you know. Traditionally, those are, those have been some extremely strong soccer programs, and uh, so we'll, we'll have to see. But I think the biggest thing for Spotswood was they don't have to look at Harrisonburg anymore, <laughs> and that's got to be encouraging for them just to go through a tournament last week and not have to worry about Harrisonburg anymore. Yeah, and it, and, and what, what, what I noticed about that squad is very
2: disciplined. And even when they're playing Harrisonburg and those da- games do get a little chippy, neither one of those teams are getting undisciplined. You know, No, one, no one's doing anything really dumb out there and getting kicked off the field with, you know, Half the game left, half the match left. I mean, you mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's it's very disciplined, and it shows in a one nothing game. You got to be disciplined to win a game one nothing.
4: Yeah, and, and they're they have a lot of seniors on that Swartzel team, and that's been kind of their big motivation for trying to get back to the state tournament is is for those seniors. And so that's where I think probably the the you know being able to stay poised and stay cool during those situations kind of gets reflected is is by that senior leadership and how many you know key players they have that have have been playing now for several seasons. Jim, you were at
0: the Girls Soccer Championship, the early game of the Valley District Jubilee. Waynesboro 3, Broadway 1, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah I, I guess you could say that. I mean, they, they split the regular season uh, series uh, in, in, in two close games. I just, you know, I think when you talk to someone like Lindsey White, the Broadway senior uh, girls soccer player who is – a very good, ba- a very good basketball player, very good soccer player, uh, very good cross country runner. But she's a heck of a leader. I mean, like, you just can't stress that enough. How much of a fantastic leader Lindsey White is. And, and after the match, she was just, you know, you know, what are you gonna do? You know, we, yeah, we want. We didn't need this. But we kind of wanted it because it's a team that's kind of been talking about trophies all, all through the regular season. You know, they wanted to win the regular season championship in the Valley District. They wanted to win the, the, the Valley District tournament. And, you know, I just think what you, you, you saw out there was maybe Waynesboro came in a little more geared up for this game. Uh, they got one fluky goal that in the second half that kind of gave them breathing room. I mean, what's, you know, what's Kayla Atwood going to do or is Kristen Atwood going to do when – you know, someone takes a shot from just beyond midfield It takes a short hop in front of her and then high up over her head. I mean, you're not going to do anything. I'd be more worried about the second goal that took place, which was basically it was the defense was out of position on a, uh, I think it was a Abby Kelso from Waynesboro, uh, grabbed a, uh, an off-the-post rebound and the goalkeeper and Atwood and her defense was kind of out of position and, and she just kind of shot it back in. I'd be more worried about that and maybe just the lack of finishing in the second half for Broadway. They had their chances. I mean, obviously, you're on the attack when you're down two to one before the before Waynesboro scores that third goal, and you know they were doing they were they were pushing the they are pushing the envelope a little bit, uh, but they just couldn't break through. And I would maybe you know be a little worried about that. And I think Amy Sorelli might have been head coach. Amy Sorelli might have been a little bit, but you know they got some time off. You know, it's what what did Lindsay call it? She called it a, a re. A regrouper, a re, re, refocuser, refocuser. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So this this was Lindsey White to, to Jim afterward on on that uh, refocused aspect of things.
6: I think the team was really disappointed that uh, we didn't play our best, but Wainsborough definitely played a lot better than we did tonight, and uh, they deserved it, obviously, and they, they won. and um, So I think we can learn a lot from this going into regionals, and I think it's a good refocuser because uh, we needed some refocusing, obviously, and going into Thursday this would be really nice to have some practice time to think about this and kind of have some salt and get better from it.
0: And as Jim mentioned also, he did talk to Sorelli. Uh, here is Sorelli on the loss
6: good team and they've gotten better so we knew we were going to be everyone's up for this game we have less to play for we're moving on I mean they're moving on too but it's kind of for bragging rights and they just had it a little more than us they were a little more aggressive to start they got a two a couple good goals uh, right away and it was hard to dig out from there but I was proud of them we came back scored I think we could have had some more opportunities but it just didn't go away.
0: So Broadway soccer, time, time to rest, time to regroup, Jim. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, you look at the other side of the mountain. I mean,
2: and it's they, they, better, you know, if that's what their draw does to them, it gives them the other side of the mountain. Let's see, Jefferson, Eldmarle, fourteen one and one, Western Elmar, fourteen one and zero. You're gonna uh, need the rest. Yeah, I mean, and these are, I mean, these are names that people. People know about in terms of girls soccer on, on on the in the class three level in the seminal, Jefferson Forest, Liberty Christian, EC Glass. I think they're all fifteen. Yeah, fifteen zero for Jefferson Forest, twelve and four
4: Liberty Christian, eleven six and one EC Glass.
0: Yeah, very good. You uh,
4: know, I mean I think with the style of Broadway plays too. Traditionally all year they've won games like one nothing, two nothing. They've played low defensive games, so. A game like Windsor where they give up a fluky goal and then and they give up two first-half goals, that immediately puts them in danger. They don't have necessarily as much firepower offensively to win games. I mean, it took them 67, 68 minutes the other night to get past T.A., which is a four-win team. So as good as Broadway's been, the style that they play – you know, when they run into a team that can put up goals in a hurry, you got to wonder, I mean, how much trouble they're in because I I don't, just don't think they have the offensive power power to kind of respond to that. But I think it, it, uh, the the flip side to that, though, is I think they have the defensive, uh, mm-hmm. you know,
2: the defense to do that, maybe shut down maybe one or two of these teams out of the Jefferson and or Seminole. Slow it, them down a bit. If it, it comes yeah. to that. I mean, they got a really good goal, goalkeeper uh, in Atwood. They got a, a pretty stout defense that may not be the quickest, but they get in your way and they kind of—they kind of—they sh-
4: typical Broadway-like
2: team. I mean, they're yeah. just gritty. I mean, yeah. that's that's the best way to describe them. And, and their 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 defense really shoots you off to the side, so you really—it's really tough to get anything going up at the middle. I think the first goal that Waynesboro got was just a—you know—the the, the Waynesboro Jaden Sprouse, I believe, who scored it. Uh, you know, basically threw past to her herself on accident. You know, the kick got deflected and it ended up back on her foot, and she's an a one-on-one with Atwood uh, but other than that there was never really any right up the middle one-on-one situation that and, and that's thanks to that defense and so I you know I, I'm curious to see what they can do in the region it's gonna it's no matter what the draw is whether you know whether it's a, a you know a, well, we can take care of this quarterfinal draw I think once they get to the semis it's you know it's gonna it, it's gonna be tough the whole way through but I I'd curious to see who they get in the first round
0: so regionals will start. Uh, very quickly uh, for for these Valley District teams that just finished their district tournaments Uh, the only other district tournament going on in the area is the Shenandoah uh, and that's only left with one of our local teams that we cover uh, East Rock Softball uh, the only one left Uh, they're still alive they'll play at Buffalo Gap in the softball semis uh, on Wednesday night Uh, Cody just kind of your quick take on, on East Rock Softball and Uh, Their chances to keep on going.
4: I mean, I think they've got a chance, and because I think in that senator district, they. I mean, as I've, I've said so many times before, there's six or seven teams there that can beat anybody. Um, You know, Paige just kind of separated itself here late in the year, um, and Buffalo Gap was right there behind Paige. I thought, you know, those two – at one point it was a four-team race with Wilson and, and Eastrock in there, and those two teams kind of pulled away. Um, Gap beat Eastrock both times in the regular season, uh, but, you know, Ronnie DeVille kind of he, – he believes that his team's got a chance. He said, you know, it is hard to beat somebody three times. Um, so we'll see what they can do. I mean, I, I don't think that – you know th- those two teams are are way apart from each other. I think Eshock certainly has a chance. Um, they'll have to get do some uh, better hitting. Uh, Gap has a really good pitcher, and then. Uh, they'll just hopefully slow it down a little bit um, in terms of their pitcher, Jessica McDonaldson, because, you know, the other night against draft, um, she kind of struggled at times. Uh, so how she kind of responds to that, um, it'll be key for them if they hope to get a win. Um, but, you know, they've, they've already locked up their regional berth as well, so now they're just playing for, you know, whether they go go on the road or, you know, they host at home. So I'm curious to see what McDonaldson does.
2: He's a sophomore, right? Yes, she's got two more years in that circle, and she's shown some flashes of Mm -hmm. possibly being a little bit more talked about next year. Uh, And that's what I'm curious to see: is the growth of her. I mean, Gap's a number two seed. Gap's a really good ball club. I you know East rock has got a heck of a chance to get past them obviously but I it, let's say you know Eastrock season does end in the regionals cuz they're going to the regionals right mm-hmm. and, and let's say it does end early in the regionals you know I'm I'm curious to kind of watch when when she's back in the circle in in 2020 where, where how much she's grown because she might be one of those people we're going to we're going to want to be talking about
4: Yeah I mean I think it, it becomes almost in a way her team next year because all the, all those seniors that they have in terms of the, at the plate and the big bats they've got throughout the lineup, all those girls are gone. And, and she's also shown the ability to hit as well. So I think she could just really become a really strong two-way player for them. And for maybe a young team next year, she's kind of, as a junior, he's played now for two years for them. She kind of becomes the, the new leader for them. And it will be, you know, interesting to see how she responds to that. And she's a win-loss mirror, isn't she? She's pitched every game yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah not nobody's – I don't think anybody's even pitched – more than like two innings for them <laughs> yeah,
2: this I mean. year. When you got a sophomore who right now is a win loss mirror for your ball club, that's that's a good thing because you're just getting their, you're just setting her up for the last two years, which could be fantastic.
0: Yeah. So East Rock softball, they'll play at Buffalo Gap in the semifinals of the Shenandoah District tournament. Uh, the Valley District teams onto regionals and, and looking ahead uh, toward the state playoffs, state tournament. That'll do it, though, for this week's edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod. We'll be back next week. I'll have all the high school coverage, the CA baseball coverage, Uh, And, of course, we'll have J.M. We'll have coverage from UCLA, from somebody uh, on the softball side. Wish me luck. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, be sure to keep up with the DNR. Everything you can buy the paper, read online, dnronline.com. But that'll do it for this week's edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod. Big thanks to Cody, Jim, and Shane. And, as always, I'm Greg Medea saying thanks for tuning in.